Welcome to the Listening Well podcast. This is a space where I discover different avenues of what it means to live well, everything from mental health to physical health, and particularly around meditation, which is part of what I share with the world. I am your host, Stephanie Bovis, and it's so nice to have you here. And this podcast has now been running weekly since last July, so it's been just over a year now, about 14 months. And I thought I would revisit a topic, but share it in a way that makes sense to me now. Now that this podcast has evolved, when I started back in July 2022, it was more like a five tips on how you should do this or five ways that you should do that. So it's since then taken a more long form approach. And so I thought that I would share with you the first episode topic that I shared with you all those months ago on how to start a meditation practice. So gathering close and let's go on with this episode. Everyone now is talking about meditation, right? It has become the new hype word. It's cool to do. Your favorite celebrity probably has a practice or, you know, if if your practitioner doesn't meditate, it's more like, wait a minute, what's going on? I find nowadays that meditation has become so much of a, the more you do it, the more calm and godly that you are. And I just want to challenge this a little bit because oftentimes my students or other people come up to me and they're like, well, you know, I just don't have 20 minutes to sit down and meditate. And I was listening to this podcast and this person meditates for two hours a day, one hour in the morning, one hour at night. Wait a minute, what am I doing wrong? And the answer is nothing. Sometimes people place this amount of attention on it. They'll wake up at four in the morning, which apparently is the hour to meditate. It's the most spiritual hour. So they sit for one hour in the morning while everyone is asleep and they have that discipline to wake up and get going there. Or they decide not to watch that Netflix show at night and instead prioritize meditation. That is their prerogative. That is what they find helps for them. Whereas for others, perhaps 10 minutes in the morning and then 10 minutes in the evening, totaling up to 20 minutes of meditation is what fits better into their schedule. At the end of the day, we know that meditation helps not only slow things down, but it allows us to see clearly what this present moment has to offer for us, what our current inner weather system is telling us. It allows us, as a result of that, to heighten our intuition. You've heard the saying, let me meditate on that. And yes, you should meditate on difficult decisions or on something that requires a little bit more thought. Because when we find stillness, when we concentrate on our breath and bring ourselves into the moment, 
It will allow us to see more clearly the essence of who you are in that moment and as a result, how you can relate to those around you. There is this beautiful analogy that my teacher has shared with me, Tara Brock, and and this is just to illustrate how meditation creates space within your being, how it slowly creates this threshold so that your window of tolerance in terms of responding to life's ebbs and flows and shit that comes your way can be dealt with with more integrity in a way that allows you to use your wise mind so that you're not just responding with emotion and reaction. I think we've all been there and part of the reason why I found meditation was because my reactions were so crazy. There was no time between the trigger and the response. I just felt the trigger, bam, reacted to it. There was no room to think. There was no room to consider my interpretations. There was no room to consider my consequences if I did this action. So it creates space sitting with yourself. It trains us to not be so disturbed by things that come our way and let it stick to us like Velcro and instead let them slide off of us like Teflon. So the analogy is this idea of small bowl versus bigger bowl. Let's say we put five teaspoons of salt in that small bowl of water, let's say like a teacup, right? If you were to drink that salt water, it would be quite salty. Whereas if you put that same five teaspoons of salt in a bigger cooking bowl, The water wouldn't be as salty. It would probably not even taste much like there was salt inside, right? It doesn't taste so bad. So the intention for meditation is to create that bigger bowl within ourselves, to increase this window of tolerance so that when something comes your way, you're not so affected by it. You're not thrown off by it. And this is why starting a meditation practice is one that is beneficial no matter what religion you follow, no matter what dogma you abide by, right? It's one that doesn't come with any dogma. There is no belief in a god or need to pray to some other higher power really that higher power in this case is you and you are just offering yourself this gift of meditation so it shouldn't be seen as a daunting task the best part I find, and this is where I do some of my best meditation, um, you know, because I do walk my dogs in the morning. I walk my dogs in the morning. I walk my dogs in the evening. I think of this as a meditation in itself because I'm just in this moment. I'm focusing step after step, just opening myself to this moment and not getting, um, disturbed by what's coming through to me on social media or my emails. Another place that I love to meditate on is the bus or the train or whatever mode of public transport that you're in. Unless you're driving, 
which if you're driving, you probably wouldn't want to close your eyes and meditate. But you can take those 10 breaths wherever you are, before you start your day, before you're about to go into your meeting. It just takes a few minutes to connect to yourself And by connecting to yourself, you build this confidence from within, this sense of grounding, which is something I spoke about in one episode a couple weeks back, the importance of grounding. Now, for those of you who have heard people go, well, you know, I meditate two hours a day and this and that. Um, Yeah, I just don't think that you should be very swayed by it. Don't think that you are a bad meditator because you can't sit for more than 10, 15 minutes. You know what? Less is more sometimes when you're about to start. Start with one minute. Maybe even setting an alarm is helpful for you because you get that acknowledgement that, okay, one minute has gone by. Next week, I'm going to do one minute and 30 seconds. The following week after that, two minutes. The point is to make the experience enjoyable so that when you associate this positive emotion to the meditation that you're doing, it will incentivize you to do it more often. I can't tell you how many people have just completely disregarded it because they're like, you know, well, you know, I couldn't do 30 minutes a day and, you know, my life doesn't suck that bad, so I don't really need meditation. But maybe you weren't approaching it in a tender way. There is a 5-5-5 structure that you can follow, which is 5 minutes a day, 5 days a week, 4-5 weeks. And if you do this, if you set a reminder on your phone, you will notice that this new habit will form. Literally, once you start doing it, it becomes second nature. Your body will literally crave a moment of silence every single day. For my gym rat listeners out there, you know this with your own physical body, right? When you don't work out for four or five days a week or you go on holiday and you don't really have a gym practice, you feel it in your body. Your body craves that tension. It craves a little bit of strength. It just needs it. It's like it's yearning for it. Well, once you start your meditation practice, right, slowly ease into it, you will notice that meditation will become a non-negotiable part of your day, much like showering or brushing your teeth. For some, finding a regular time and space can help cultivate a meditation practice. Perhaps you've set out a cozy little corner in your room where there's incense and a candle and you can make your offering of a flower and some water, right? Somewhere that promotes a sense of zen and relaxation where there's this setting always in place. Maybe there's an altar with photos or statues that inspire you. We all have our own thing, and maybe that works for you. For me, I'm a little bit more of a as-and-when meditator. I know when it's time to meditate, and it doesn't have to be fixated in a time or a place. I'm quite spontaneous by nature, and this is what I find works for me. So 
having an informal meditation practice, right? There's a formal meditation practice where you find a place and a time and you keep that consistent every day. But for those who, like me, have quite an erratic schedule as a freelancer, some days are crazy busy, other days are not, then you kind of have to keep it fluid. And I just wouldn't be so fixated on the time or place if you are about to approach your meditation practice. What I do think is important for every session when you meditate is your posture. It is important to feel alert. When I do my corporate meditations, it's so funny to see how, you know, spines begin to round and the chin kind of falls to the chest. And I know that that person is going to fall asleep. We're not trying to fall asleep. We're trying to fall awake in a way. But the meditation posture should feel open and relaxed. And let me tell you, I know it's hard to sit cross-legged. A lot of people struggle with it. It's the one thing that many people go, well, you know, I do want to meditate. I do have 20 minutes in the morning, but how the hell are you sitting with this upright posture for 20 minutes? Well, the yoga teacher in me will go, this is the time to start stretching, baby. I mean, when you are more open in the hips, when your lower back is at ease, it is natural to be able to sit for a longer period of time. Okay, that is the yoga teacher in me that wants to go stretch your body, baby, because that will help you with your meditation seat. However, one little trick that helps most people is by elevating the hips so that you're sitting on a block, maybe two blocks, maybe three blocks if you're super tight. It helps to have your knees below the hips so that there's this openness in your posture and your seat and thus allows for the spine to feel erect and upright. So that's just a little tip for you. But if you are struggling with your seat, just that might be a sign for you to stretch the body out a little bit more, right? So this is all codependent on one another. It's not like you only meditate or you only do yoga. If you do yoga, it helps with your meditation. And if you meditate, it will help with your yoga. When I approach my meditation posture, I like to start from the ground up. And I love the image of a tree when thinking of my own body and its posture. So it's almost like the hips are your roots. So you can imagine even roots growing and extending down from your sit bones into the block, into the mat beneath you, right? They're just rooting down. Your thighs and your legs also, they're just sort of, when you think of a tree and the roots spread outward, right? You can kind of imagine your thighs doing the same thing so that there's a sense of stability in your posture, right? You feel really grounded and secured. And then the trunk of the tree, which is your spine, 
I love to visualize the S-shape curve of my spine, starting from the root, so the tailbone that tucks underneath, right? You then go around that S-shape curve of the lower back, through the middle back, upper back. The back of the neck feels long, so pull the chin in towards the throat. And then this foliage of branches and leaves that are your head, your shoulders, your arms, this like beautiful oak tree that comes to mind right now. It's my favorite tree and I have my favorite tree in the world, which is just outside my dad's house in the UK. She's so beautiful, but I always think about that when I'm sitting. So the trunk, the spine, nice and tall. But then everything from the shoulders up is this like open, flexible, you know, it's this wonderful part of our bodies that can remain fluid. If you think about a tree blowing in the wind, it sort of uh, sways back and forth. And so there's no tension in your arms or your fingers or your face. Let go of the face. We spend so much time scrunching into our face, trying to express ourselves, right? Even when we're on the phone, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you look around, you'll see someone on the phone and, you know, maybe their eyes will begin to furrow and there's this sort of like intense look in the eyes. So watch out for that. Think of a serene Buddha, this peaceful expression, one that is equanimous, meaning there's neither too much or too little. It's just a sense of balance and ease. So whatever image comes to your mind, something that's peaceful, it could be even your dog, right? When you think of your dog, maybe a slight smile comes to the face. And actually giving yourself a slight smile is helpful because it then tells your nervous system that like, oh, okay, everything's all right. We're all okay. We're all good here. It's a wonderful way to signal to your body that everything is going to be just okay. And of course, there's no need to look like a Buddha. Listen, we all have different bodies. We all have different needs. Sometimes being seated cross-legged on the floor works for you. Maybe you find yourself in seiza position, a kneeling position where you're sitting on your knees, right? Hips to heels. Maybe you can't sit down on the floor because you've had an injury or something is stopping you from doing such a posture. So you're sitting in a chair. That's fine. The questions that you should ask yourself are, in which position can I sit the longest without feeling any pain in the body, without starting to cramp, without getting any pins and needles, right? The point is to make this experience enjoyable and to find a position that promotes this alertness within, but also the sense of relaxation. Honor your body. If lying down is working for you, or if you find that you can really pay attention lying down, do that. 
my teacher Jack Cornfield told, tells me that um, if you lie down and meditate, lift your arms up overhead, kind of like you're a walking mummy, kind of thing, and you just keep them hovering overhead so that you know that you're not going to fall asleep. Personally, I haven't tried that for longer than a few seconds because I feel like, I don't know, maybe my arm muscles will start to act up, but try it. Why not? And also, one last thing to think about when you're starting your meditation practice is the intention of why you're there, right? Intention is so important for really anything that you do. You'll hear the teacher in a yoga class ask you to set an intention, right? Maybe a word that you wish to embody or something that is of importance for you in that moment. And if no intention comes to mind, peace, love, kindness, joy, just anything that promotes a smile or that allows for positivity to be felt. I find intentions so powerful, not just in a meditation or physical practice, but really with anything in life, right? Like if you want to talk to someone or a friend or a partner about something that's a little bit difficult, why are you doing that? What is your intention? Is your intention to create disharmony? Is your intention to find a way to work together, to bring two people together so that they can work together well, right? Like what's your intention for saying something, for doing something? Just checking in with yourself, right? And setting intentions for your meditation practice, for your physical practice, only helps with this intention setting in your everyday life. So these are just a few tips, a little summary of what that first ever episode I posted on the Listening Well podcast was about. Although I find that, you know, it's been so long now and I've kept up with my weekly posts and I feel like I found my own voice and there's a sense of fluidity. So I thought that I would just recap that very important episode in a way that feels a bit, feels a bit more natural. I re-listened to that first episode and kind of cringed on the inside because I would write down word for word and then I was just saying what I was writing and it just didn't really feel like a flow or really felt authentic in my voice. So so that is, uh, this is why I'm redoing that, especially also because I have a few new listeners to the podcast and I want to make sure that you don't miss out on this info. So thank you for listening to this episode. Maybe you know all this stuff already and this was just a gentle reminder that meditation is for everyone. No matter from what walk of life you're coming down, what religion you practice, whatever, right? Wherever you are from the world, everyone can meditate. There is no doubt that meditation does change your life. It does rewire certain parts of your brain so that the ways that you respond to your everyday life 
change, right? I definitely, it's made me so much more patient. I feel like I'm a much calmer person. I feel like any sort of anger I used to carry back in the past has just been fizzled out because there's just a wiser way to approach life. One that isn't fueled by emotion, one that isn't fueled by your subconscious and these unconscious patterns that are lurking from within, right? Even stuff that we carry on from our ancestry. Meditation allows you to look at yourself from a third party perspective and just makes you see things from a zoomed out lens. And when we look at things from a zoomed out lens, We take things less personally. We don't react as easily. We can respond to life in a way that we're proud of. And when we respond to life in ways that we're proud of, that creates our identity. We walk through life feeling more at ease, more secure, more confident, because we know that we're not living in the shadow of the past. Wow, I got really deep there then, but um, this is just something as simple as meditating or taking five minutes a day. It does have a rippling effect on your life. So if you haven't started your meditation practice, start now. There's no shortage of resources online, on YouTube. Go to your meditation class that's just down the road, right? There's a plethora of yoga studios out there, no shortages of teachers. So yeah, let me know. Let me know what you're struggling with with meditation. This is what I actually love to know the most is why people struggle with their meditation. And if you'd like to share your struggles or your feedback or your experience with me, You can reach out to me on my website at listeningwellpodcast.com. You can leave me a voice note. There's this little uh, microphone icon on the bottom right-hand corner of the screen that I believe you can leave about a two-minute voice note to me. So do that. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, perhaps I'll respond to you in another episode sometime. So yes, I hope to see you back here on this podcast next week. I am here every single Tuesday. It always helps if you give a five-star rating. This just helps the podcast out a little bit. But until next time, I'm thinking of you. I hope that you're having a wonderful, wonderful week. And remember, slow down a bit, all right? Check in with yourself. Give yourself that time to process life instead of being distracted left, right, and center and, you know, be swarmed with the social media haze. It's just, just take this time to go out into nature, to be with yourself. It's the most important thing that you can give to yourself. So move well, take it easy, and I'll see you back here next week.